Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. It says in John eight thirty two the words of Jesus, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. This is applicable to any, to any of the different areas of our life. When we know the truth concerning that area, then we can experience the freedom that God intended for us in that area. For example, when we were born again, for it, my life it, uh, specifically, when I came to hear and faith came by the hearing that Jesus on the cross died for my sin to be, to be cleansed, for my sin to be uh, uh, removed from my life. Faith came. I knew the truth. Before that time, I did not know that Jesus died personally for my sin. I was raised in the Bible Belt of, of Tennessee, right there in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, East Tennessee for a number of years, uh, Nashville for most of my elementary, junior high, high school, uh, and had never actually come to the place where I understood that Jesus, when he was on the cross, he shed his blood and paid the price to set me free from a lifestyle of sin. When the faith came for that, when I knew the truth about that, when I heard it preached, and it was preached in a way that it was specific to me, that it, it encountered me and I encountered it. Amen? Then I received and I experienced freedom. I experienced the freedom from sin, the freedom from the immediate things that I was dealing with, the destruction, the, the rejection, the hatred, the addiction, all of those things that were holding me in bondage. The freedom came when I knew that Jesus had delivered me from it. You know, I shared in my book, The Guilt, the Shame, and the Blood, that it was a number of years later before I came to understand that He had also freed me from shame. I still lived under the shame of my past, even though I knew that I was no longer guilty of those sins, that His blood had purchased the guilt. But I had not identified that the shame of my addiction and the shame of my guilt and the, the shame of all of the, the destructive things that I had done was also cleansed and removed from me. And that the application of the blood where it says in the book of Hebrews how much more if the blood of bulls and goats could purge the consciousness of those under the Old Testament, how much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse our conscience so that we can serve God? When I came to know that, I was able to walk free of the shame of my mistakes. I'd been, I'd been living with the, the knowledge that Jesus had 
delivered me from it, but that shame kept telling me I was unworthy. And that shame kept telling me why certain things weren't working for me from the Word. And when I dealt with the shame, all of those things started working. The righteousness that I am in Christ began to be more effective because the shame wasn't an obstacle. The shame wasn't convincing me that God wasn't hearing my prayer. And so the knowing of how that blood worked, it was as I was doing a study on the blood of Christ that I came to that scripture where it said, how much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience, cleanse your conscience, remove that from your conscience. And, And I knew the truth and I've walked free from that shame ever since. Amen? So knowing the truth is vital for us to experience freedom in an area. The same is true concerning knowing the truth about our health. I made a statement earlier. This is how we can never be sick another day in our life. Now, the first time I ever made that statement, it came up out of my spirit and my head went tilt. Anybody ever played pinball machine and you get that tilt, you know, and it's like, okay, the, it, yeah, you went tilt, right? My head went tilt. And I, is that possible? Is it possible that I could live in this life, in this world, live every day of my life and never be sick another day in my life? Is that possible? If we have enough bread, it is. Right? We just found that out. If I have enough bread, if I have enough in Christ, enough healing in Christ, it is. Do you think that He put enough healing in the for every day of our life? Do you think that we're going to certain age where we've run out of healing and and he says you've used up your quota you have just used up your quota of healing and so you'll just have to make it on what you've got left no no he put enough in the covenant he put enough healing in the covenant so that we could live healthy not just waiting until we get sick to to then go get healed but what let's just go ahead and in advance set the healing course Set the health course for our life. Just walk that health road and just live healed. If sickness does try to come, then we'll have a strong enough shield to raise up. We'll have a, a, a good fortified shield to lift up against it. Hallelujah. Because it's not automatic because you're saved. And it's not automatic because you own a Bible. It's it's applied the the benefits are ours but they don't automatically come into our life we have to receive them we have to engage them we have to participate with them the blessing is ours but you know there's a lot of Christians living out from under the blessing they love God they love God but because of vain tradition you know it says that there's a tradition of man that can make the word of God a none effect in people's lives. And so because of tradition, they think that, that if, they're, if they're Christians, they've got to live in poverty and, and that they've got to struggle. And because of that wrong mindset, they fail to experience the blessing. They fail to experience. Maybe somebody taught them when they were young, they went to a church that says money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. And they grow up thinking money is the root of all evil. 
Even when they read their Bible, they see it says the love of money, but in their mind they hear money. And they don't recognize that he's saying money's not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Amen. The love of money. But because they have been taught that and because they're convinced that money is the root of all evil, they shun it. They, they don't, they don't uh, uh, release their faith for the blessing to be in operation in their life. Amen? Well, the same is true where healing is concerned. There are many people who have been taught that healing was done away with in the, in the Bible, that after the apostles died that the healings were no longer prevalent and that God doesn't heal today. Or they've been taught sometimes He does and sometimes He doesn't. Or they've been taught that God's going to get glory out of my sickness. They take Paul's thorn and they say that Paul's thorn was sickness. You know, Paul said what his thorn was. He clearly outlined what his thorn was. He said, the thorn is a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. He never said, this thorn in my flesh is an ailment in my body. He never said that. He said the thorn in his flesh was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And you can read his history in the book of Acts. Every city he went into, revival started and then that messenger of Satan went around stirring up lies and paying off people. I mean, they paid their own way to follow him from, from city to city to start a riot every time God started a revival. And then they'll say, well, you know, that, that response that God gave when he said, Lord, you know, that, that this this thorn in the flesh that God said, my grace is sufficient. And here's what people have taught that that means. Just hold on. Just suffer through. Just use my grace to suffer through. Just use my grace to endure it. Just put up with it. Because as you're sick, as, you're, as your ailment is continuing, uh, you're getting stronger. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. It didn't say my strength is made perfect in your sickness. But you know, people think that. People, how sad. People think that God is putting me through this to teach me a lesson or for me to learn something from this or for me to give Him glory. Those are all man-made ideas. Those are all false where the Word of God is concerned because the Word clearly outlines the will of God for our life. He desires... What does John chapter 3 and verse 2 say? The book of John, one chapter, John chapter... First, uh, not, not, not John the Gospel, the, the third John. Third John, the, the chapter... The book is one chapter, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray, I wish, I desire above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Is every scripture inspired by the Spirit of God? Every scripture is inspired by God. So this is God's inspiration. This is, this is God-inspired. This is the will of God. Beloved, desire that you may prosper and be in health. Notice this, even as your soul prospers. Well, the mind, the will, and the emotions 
being brought under the dominion governed by the Word of God help us to walk in the fullness of God's plan for our life. He says, I want you to be in health. So that moves us beyond the just getting healed as sickness comes. He wants us to be in health. That's a good shield to put up if sickness tries to knock on your door. No, God wants me to be in health. Just raise that shield right up. Put the shield up. Just keep it up, by the way. Just, just lifting up above all the shield of faith. That's the shield for healing. God desires above all things that I be in health. He desires above all things that I be in health. Be, that's my state of being. That's the place I live. That's the, the condition of my being, that I be in health. So today, I be in health. I, that's why when you say I am, when you say I am, you are authorizing it in your life. You are authorizing it. I am the healed of the Lord. So if sickness tries to, to come with symptoms, you respond to the symptoms, you verbally authorize healing and deny access to the symptoms. You deny the symptoms the right to continue and you resist them by saying, I am healed by His stripes. I am the healed of the Lord. He is the Lord who takes sickness away from me. He is the Lord who heals me and I am the healed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Knowing the truth, knowing the truth is vital for you to be able to walk Knowing the truth gives you the liberty to walk in it. Knowing that He has already purchased healing and health for you with the stripes that He received on His back. That every stripe was for you. Don't look at it as He did that for all of us. You're going to have to take it personally. And that's where you've got to see yourself receiving from that provision. So knowing it, knowing it is not just a natural knowing. It's not head knowledge. Head knowledge, head knowledge is uh, what, what John Wesley referred to as mental assent. Mental assent. Mental assent agrees with what the Word says. Well, I know that the Word says by His stripes I'm healed, but I must not have it because I don't feel it. This is a, a, a disconnect between that release of the heart because the head doesn't produce faith. Faith isn't in the head. And that's why we've got to engage activate the heart and the way if the way you activate the heart is with the mouth to get saved Romans chapter 10 says that the word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach that whosoever will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord believe that God has raised him from the dead he shall be saved for with the heart man believes unto righteousness but with the mouth with the mouth with the mouth confession is made unto salvation 
So with the heart you believe, but with the mouth you engage that believing. With the mouth you apply that believing. With the mouth you release that believing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this provision is ours. We first come to the place where we know it spiritually. That's our, that's our, our objective that I want to meditate. Now, your mind will need to be involved because you're going to have to use your mind to focus on the Scripture, to focus on the promises. You're going to have to find the promises and then you're going to have to give them your attention until they become alive in you until they become a part of you, until they become uh, united with you, mixing in with that word. At Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, let's look at verse 14. Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower that he in the previous part of the chapter had uh, conveyed to them. They wanted to know more about its meaning. And so now he is explaining the meaning of the parable. He says the sower sows the word. And then the word by the wayside in verse 15 is identified. He says the word is sown, but when they have heard... Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. If you hold your place here and back up to Matthew 13, and let's read Matthew's version of this explanation, it will give you a clue. A clue as to why it was easy for Satan to steal it. It says in Matthew 13 and verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not. In Mark, he said, if any, these are they which have heard and Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. He says in Matthew If they don't understand it, then the enemy comes. The wicked one comes and catches away what was sown in the heart. So the word was sown in the heart, but there wasn't a connection to what was sown in the heart. There wasn't a receiving and understanding of what was sown in the heart. Now I want you to hold your place in Matthew 13 because I want us to make another comparison as we move on. He says in verse 16 of Mark 4, Mark 4, 16. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So the word was sown into this heart by the hearing. The the sower was sowing it by the speaking and the ground was receiving it by the hearing. They heard the word. It was sown into their heart 
And at first, they, if they reached out and said, that's for me. Hey, I'm the healed of the Lord. By his stripes, I am healed. Amen? They took it. But it says that it, uh, they did not have root in themselves. They, they at first immediately received it with gladness. But the problem is they have no root in themselves. Compare with Matthew 13, verse 20. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word and at first with joy receives it, yet has he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. So both Matthew and Mark identify it had no root. It had no root. Now, if you take a seed and you plant and you don't... There, there is a, 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 a certain depth that is better to plant it. Because if you plant it too shallow, certain seeds, if you plant them too shallow, what's going to happen is the sun is going to cause them to come up and they're going to, to uh, uh, instead of reaching down into where the water supply is running, they're going to start trying to, let's say for instance, you plant it shallow and it's not deep enough where the water tray is running. And so it's got six inches of dry dirt before it could get down into the water but you planted it shallow and you watered it at the top and so it's planting and it's trying to get all of its stuff from up at the top and it doesn't take the time to dig down deep. It doesn't take the time to root itself down into the water because there's six inches of dry dirt between it and the water and it can't make it to dig down through that six inches of dry dirt to get into the water supply. And what's going to happen? It's going to hit a place where it doesn't have a water supply. If you're not watering it every day and it's not getting down into it's the water supply that's in the earth, if it's got to go through all that dry dirt to get to it, then it's going to scorch. When the sun gets too hot, it's going to start wilting. Why? Because it's not rooted. It's not, it's not, it's not connected to a supply. It's not connected to a source. And he says that what happens is offense. What happens is offense. Now, he indicates there's stones in the ground. You know, have you ever seen maybe a certain place where a sidewalk has maybe shifted, the ground underneath it has shifted, and through the rain and different things, there's been dirt that has come up over a portion of that sidewalk, and it's got a few inches of dirt, and something tries to grow on it, but it, about three inches down, it's going to hit that rock. It's going to hit that cement, and it's going to stop its progress. Hallelujah. So now we begin to see that it's possible to receive the Word and, and get excited about that shallow part and not dig down deep 
into the supply of God, the supply of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And what happens? Offended. Offended. Oft ended. The growth of that is ended. Why did it say tri trouble comes? Why did it say the tribulation and the persecution showed up? The tribulation and the persecution, both of them say, because of the word. In, in Mark, it says, it says, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. Matthew, it says, when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. Because of the word. So if something comes up, what's it after? It's trying to stop the progress of the word in our life. The difficulties, the tribulations, the persecutions, the, the, those difficult times, it's after the word. If you'll just dig into the word, if you'll just give your focus to the word, if you'll pull the stone out and say, I am not getting offended. I am not going to get offended at God. Isn't it interesting? And, and please don't raise your hand. I'll raise mine. In my, in my beginning days of walking with God, there were times I blamed Him. Why didn't you come through for me? Why didn't you? Why, what, and, and, and then I would turn it on myself. Where did I go wrong? Where did I miss it? But there were times, so don't you raise your hand. I'll raise mine. That I looked and think, well, God didn't come through for me. His word didn't work in that situation. Lie. It was a lie. It was a lie. I'm telling you, it was a lie. God's word will never fail. God's word is full of power. What, what was the problem? The stony ground was the problem. It wasn't the word. The word in this ground is the same word that was in the good ground. So it wasn't the word that failed. It wasn't the sower who failed. The sower sowed in good ground and there was a harvest in the good ground. It wasn't the sower. It wasn't the word. It was the ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why we've got to, we've got to let those stones be recognized and removed. Not let any stone that would cause us to be offended at God, offended at the local church, offended at our pastor, offended at at. at uh, how things are, are happening. No, God is good all the time. Settle it. You need to draw the line in the sand. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus drew the line in the sand. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If there's stealing, if there's killing, if there's destroying, it's not God. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Settle it, settle it. Settle it and identify it because, again, that goes back to those, re those religious traditions we identified at the onset. That religion tradition that says God brought that sickness on somebody to teach them or God left it on them to, to make them a stronger person or, or one person told Pastor Caldwell God broke their legs so that they could be in there in the hospital to witness to the person in the hospital bed next to them. Well, if God made you sick, you wouldn't go to the hospital. And if God made you sick, you wouldn't take medicine. Right? 
However, the, see the whole warped idea about it? Well, God put me on this, but you're in the hospital? If, if God put it on you, why are you, are you being disobedient trying to get it off? Do you see how warped the thinking is? Why? Because it's not, it's not rooted in truth. It's not, there's no truth in it. And it's confusing. And it's deceiving. And it is uh, uh, dangerous. Hallelujah. So he said that trouble comes after the word and in this ground that is full of stones, offense is the result. And then he said, these are they which uh, are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness, deceitfulness of riches and the lust Cravings, desires for other things. Cravings and desires for other things. And they may not even be sinful things. They may not even be bad things. But if they're choking out your time in the Word, if they're choking out your time in the Word, if that Netflix binge is choking out your time in the Word, amen? Lust, cravings, desires for other things entering in choked the word. So this was a ground that originally it wasn't wayside ground. It wasn't stony ground. When the word first came in, it was good ground, but then something else entered in. Something else entered in after the word was sown. The word was sown into good ground, but then other things were allowed to enter. Who has control over your thoughts? You do. I do. Who has control over my thoughts? I do. I do. God is not responsible to control my thoughts. Jesus is not the one who will be held accountable for the things I let in my thoughts. He said that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God, 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, casting down every high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. So we are the ones who are equipped and granted the weaponry to cast down imagination. So if a worry enters, if a care enters, it's because we allowed it entry. It's because we allowed it entry. So what do we have to do? According to the way our weapons work, we have to take every thought captive. We have to cast down imaginations. We have to refuse them. I don't think that way. I don't think about that. I don't, I don't allow myself to worry about that. Your flesh is designed for worry. Before Christ, our flesh thrived on it. But now we don't live after the flesh. We don't give it any space in the driver's seat. We don't give it any voice in the microphone. Don't let your flesh have the microphone. Amen. Keep faith in the microphone. Keep your spirit with the mic. Hallelujah. 
And so we see that they entered in. And because they entered, they choked the word. And the word became unfruitful. But then there is faith builder's ground. This is you. I just found you. Here you are in the Bible. Mark 4, 20. This is, say, this is me. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. The word receive means to take up. It is not a passive word in the original language. It is not passive receiving, oh, I received that, which actually if I say I received that, my spirit is reaching out to take it verbally. I'm verbally authorizing it. But it's not passive. It is spiritual activity to take up, to take up. It also means to acknowledge as your own, to, to acknowledge as one's own. And it means, this is my favorite part of the definition, to omit as evidence in a court of law. If you go into the courtroom, let's say an attorney goes to the, to the judge and says, Your Honor, we wish to submit these documents as supporting evidence for our case. Will you receive them into this court case? And the judge will either dismiss them or, or refuse them or admit, or admit them. And he will, he will pass the judgment with the gavel and say, Yes, let it be known that we are receiving this document and this document and this document as supporting evidence to this case. Isn't that a great way of seeing that word receive? Those who will hear the word, so all of them heard it, but this is us. This is us. We go beyond just the initial hearing. We've heard it, but now we're going to admit it into our evidence. We are going to legally accept it as evidence for us. So 1 Peter 2.24, we hear 1 Peter 2.24, and it says, Whom his own self bore our sins on the, on the tree. Hallelujah. Let me read it so I'm not just uh, quoting a portion of it. I want to quote the whole thing. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2.24, Who his own self, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So I hear this word. I hear this word. It says, by his stripes I was healed. Past tense. Isaiah has it future tense because the cross... Is, and the, the sacrifice of him taking the stripes before the cross, that was when it became reality. That's when the, the payment was officially received. By his stripes you were healed. So if I was healed by those stripes, I am healed today. Amen? Amen? So I hear that. I hear that. And that's entering into my heart. By the hearing, it's now in my heart. But now that it's in my heart, I want to admit it legally as evidence for my case. I want to accept it as my own. That's what they're doing. When they admit a document in the court case, they are accepting it as legal proof. This now has, before, moments before that judgment was made, it was just a piece of paper. It was just a document. 
but now it is legal part of this court case. That's what happens when we hear the word. We take now, no, wait a minute. That just wasn't a sermon I heard. That just wasn't a promise that was read. That just wasn't something, just a verse that somebody remembered, you know, from when they were in Sunday school. No, wait a minute. That is legal evidence in my court case. And so you can talk to the symptom. You can say, listen, here's symptom. I have evidence against you. I have legal standing evidence against this symptom. Hallelujah. By whose stripe I was healed. In the, in the, the legal standing, I'm healed. I am not sick trying to get healed. I am healed and I will resist sickness on every hand. I will resist it. I will raise up a shield of faith against it because I have this legal evidence. So that's what the word receive means, to take up, to accept, to acknowledge as yours, to admit as in a court with evidence with your approval. Hallelujah. It says they hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, we need the harvest of this scriptures. We need the harvest. There is a harvest that every scripture is a seed. Every promise of God is a seed. I say every scripture. I mean, there are some scriptures that are telling us the mistakes of others, so that wouldn't necessarily be a seed. You know, Judas hung himself. That's not a seed. Don't go so that, right? Uh, but, but every promise is a seed. Every promise of God, every, every, every scripture that contains covenant promise, covenant benefit, w- is most effective when it's sown into the ground. When, when it is sown like a seed into the ground, then it has the capacity to bring a harvest. So if you are resisting sickness, it would benefit you to sow continually, daily, word seed of healing promises. And how do you sow it? How do you sow the word into your heart? You have to speak it. The sower sowed the word, the ground heard it. The hearing is the receiving, but the sowing is the speaking. And you don't have to wait till I preach a sermon on it for you to sow it in your heart. You can sow it in your heart every day by opening up your Bible, reading those verses out loud and accepting them as evidence in your case. Take it. And with the sowing into the heart, you are positioning yourself for a harvest. So if you need a harvest of financial stability, sow financial stability seed into your heart every day. If you need a harvest of health, sow find the scriptures concerning health into your heart every day. If you need a harvest of faith or confidence in God saving your children, sow the seed of the salvation of your children into your heart every day. What, what you need faith for, faith comes by hearing. Faith goes into the heart by hearing. Faith deposits into the heart by hearing. Faith is transmitted into the heart by hearing. And you could say by hearing yourself speak the word of God. It doesn't limit it to somebody else preaching it for you to hear it. 
Hallelujah. If you hear yourself say it, it's going right down into the heart. That's why Psalm 45.1 says, My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My tongue is a pen. And Proverbs says that my heart is a tablet. So when I speak it, I'm writing it on the tablet of my heart. How did you learn? I remember when I was in elementary school, they had a long playing album. And on this LP that they put on the disc and they put the little needle down and it played the song, it had the multiplication table. They, my teacher had a song for every multiplication group. And so the way that we learned it was we were looking at it and we were singing the multiplication tables with the, every day we would sing that song of those multiplication tables to learn that. And so we got it into our heart by rehearsing it with our mouth. That's why he said the word is nigh you, the word is near you, even in your mouth. It didn't say in your heart first. It says in your mouth and in your heart. Romans chapter 10 verse 6. In your mouth and in your heart. That's how you get it in your heart. It's get it in your mouth. It'll get in your heart. If you, if you continually say it, you're going to believe it. In your heart and in your mouth. In your heart and in your mouth. Hallelujah. In your mouth and in your heart. I was pointing at my mouth and saying the heart. In your mouth and in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. Hallelujah. So I want to get it in my heart. That's the objective. I want it in my heart. Why? Because that's where it's going to flourish like a seed. That's where it's going to sprout. So Jesus is explaining this parable to the disciples. And he continues. I want to go back. Well, let me finish here in Matthew 13. From this explanation, it says in the good ground in Matthew 13, He that received seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it. Understands it. I'm talking of spiritual understanding. A spiritual perceiving. A spiritual receiving of it. It used the word receive in Mark and it uses the word understand here. He that, he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Well, if we were to notice in Matthew, he starts by saying the word of the kingdom is stolen out of their heart because they heard it but didn't understand it. Right? He explains here that the good ground hears it and understands it. Well, verse 15 of this chapter, Jesus quotes from Isaiah. And he says, this, they asked him, why do you speak in parables? And this was his response. This people's heart is callous. Waxed gross is a word that means calloused. Their heart is hardened. Their heart is not sensitive anymore. It's unfeeling. Their heart is not quick to respond to me. Their heart is calloused. Their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes, they have closed. 
like a person who walks out of a dark room into the noonday sun and they squint at the light. He says their eyes they have closed. They're so used to living in the darkness and they're so, so used to uh, re uh, refusing to respond to my voice that their heart is hardened. Do you see these are connected? They're squinting their eyes at the light. Their ears are dull. They're not hearing with the intent to hear. They're not hearing. They're not listening. They may hear the sound, but they're not hearing what he's saying. And because of that, their heart is hardened. Their heart is calloused. So he can be... He can be trying to signal to them. He can be trying to interact with them. He can be trying to give them uh, direction about their life, but their heart is hardened because their eyes are squinting at the light and their ears are not tuned in to His frequency. They're not responsive to what He's saying. And He said, if at any time they would see and hear they would understand. Oh, there we have understanding again. He said, understand with their heart. So now it's not a natural perception of the mind. It's an understanding of the heart. That my heart can see it. That my heart can, can grasp it. That my heart can comprehend. Isn't that what the, the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit penned in Ephesians? That they would know what is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That they would know what is the exceeding greatness of this power. That they would know what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. If you could know it, I need you to know it. I need you to have a spiritual knowing because if you have a spiritual knowing, you can walk in it. If you can understand it, you can walk in it. If you know the truth, if you know the truth, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. The, the knowing of the truth. The knowing of the truth. Hallelujah. Do you know what preceded that in John 8? Continue in my word. If you continue in my word, you'll know the truth. And if you know the truth, it'll make you free. Amen. It, but see where it starts? Continuing. Continuing. That continuing in the Word is, is the key. It's the key to keeping it in your heart. Receiving the Word, understanding it. Receiving the Word, taking it as your own. Receiving the Word, personally connecting with it. Continuing in it. Continue in that Word so that I can know the truth, so that I can understand and if I understand, it will produce the fruitfulness of that scripture. Of that scripture. The fruitfulness of specific scriptures is what God wants us to become proficient in. If you're dealing with a certain thing, give attention to specific scriptures about that thing until you develop a strength in your faith concerning that to receive what you need in that area or resist what needs to be resisted in that area. If a person is dealing with anger, they need to emphasize peace scriptures and love scriptures. They need to feed on them. They need to sow it, sow it, sow it, sow it, harvest it, sow it, harvest it, sow it, harvest it until they have an abundant fruitfulness of peace and love operative in their life. 
Hallelujah. If someone is dealing with, it, it can be natural things like healing or finances. It can be uh, dealing with spiritual things such as uh, the righteousness that we are in Christ. Some of the, the, the most important things for us to, to develop our faith in are those positions in Christ, that righteousness who we are. If you, if you will take the time to, to feed on who you are in Christ, putting those specific scriptures of, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am an heir of God. I am a, a son of God. To whom it receives him, he has given power to become the son of God. Those are going to position you. It's easier to receive the other benefits of healing or financial stability if I know who I am. Amen. If I know who I am. So one of the most important things for us to develop our faith in is our place in Christ. Hallelujah. Mark again, chapter 4. Verse 21, and he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed? Does anyone, I, I will ask for a raising of hands. Does anyone have your light fixture underneath your bed? Anybody? Anybody got your light fixtures? You put your lamps under your bed. You take all of your light fixtures and, and, and move them from the ceiling and you position them under the bed. None of us have our light fixtures under the bed. That's what Jesus is asking. Is a light fixture meant to be put under the bed? Or do you put it in a place where it will give you light when you need it? You put it in a place where it will, it will give you light when it's dark. Is it not set to be set on a candlestick? Isn't the light fixture supposed to be up on the ceiling? The lamp's supposed to be up uh, over by your reading chair, right? You put the light in a place to help you see. You put the light in a place to help you identify. He said, there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, did Jesus go from this parable of the sower, talking about the word, talking about the ground, talking about the hearing, did he go from that and then just switch over into a whole nother uh, uh, mindset? Or is he giving something that relates and even strengthens what he just said? He said the purpose of the light is to, is to bring light where you need it. The purpose of the light is not to be hidden. God isn't hiding anything. He's putting the light in a place to bring manifestation. He's putting it in a place where it will reveal to us. The word in the heart brings the manifestation. The word in the heart brings the manifestation. And the hearing is... So it, the word of healing in my heart will bring the manifestation of healing, will show me how to walk it out. He said in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Meditate on this word. Do not let it depart from your mouth. 
Meditate in it day and night so that you may observe, observe, observe to do it so that you can see yourself doing it. When a person is in the dark, they don't see how to fix it. They don't see themselves in a different condition. I remember there was a time that Pastor Steele, this was probably about 10 years ago, eight, nine, 10 years ago, and he, there was something that was coming against him physically. It was, it was something that uh, it, it would uh, attack his, his um, it, he, he said it would, it would like close up his, his esophagus, it would make it hard to breathe, and he was dealing with this, and and resisting it. It, it, it didn't seem to be allergies, it didn't seem to be sinuses, it just seemed to be something that would, and it was oppressive, it was, it was there was a spiritual attack and it had a physical uh, part of it. And one of the things that he meditated on during that time was a song, it was a song that came to Keith Moore by the Spirit, and it's available for free on Keith Moore's website. But in this song it says, um, there's a picture in my spirit of a strong and healthy man. Well, there in, in his natural, there wasn't that picture. He had to get that picture in his spirit. He had to observe it. He had to keep the word before him until he could see himself in it. He had to keep the word before him until he could see it coming to pass in his life. Seeing it in your spirit. The Word of God transmits images. Some of you may have never seen my, my vehicle before, but I could describe my vehicle and you could walk out in the parking lot and pick it out even though you've never laid eyes on which car out there might be mine. But if I describe it to you, I can transmit the image of my car to you by my words. I can transmit the image of my car and then you could walk outside and you could say, that's Pastor Michelle's car. How? Because how? now you have an image and you can recognize it. And that's what he said, meditate in my word until it transmits the image into you of yourself prospering. It says that's how you will make your way prosperous. That's how you success you are going to make your way prosperous by meditating in the word so the word transmits the image of success the image of health hallelujah some people have not you but other people some people have meditated on the symptoms and meditated on the feelings and meditated on all of the the web md articles on those on those symptoms and meditated on the report of what happened when so-and-so had that same ailment, what happened when so-and-so, and they meditated on that and all of those words have transmitted images into their spirit until they can see themselves. Hadn't happened yet. It hadn't happened yet, but they can see themselves debilitating and they can see themselves getting weaker and they can see some of those things that they heard happen to other people who had that sickness, they, they, they began to imagine it. They began to imagine it. And then they checked for symptoms. That's why when I, when I um, 
there was a time that Pastor and I had went for 40 days and not watched any TV. It was something that God had instructed us to do. We covered every TV. The kids didn't even get to watch TV. We covered every TV with blankets, and thankfully it was summer. They went outside and played uh, all summer, and so we didn't watch any TV. Well, when we turned the TV back on after that time, it was during that time that pharmaceutical companies got the liberty to start promoting their drugs on TV. Before that time, there was law that prohibited the pharmaceutical companies from advertising on television. Well, I was shocked. I was, I was shocked. I'm, do you hear that? Because it was so foreign to me. I had not heard any TV. I had not heard any commercials. And now I'm turning it on. And it seemed like they were inundating the airwaves with these pharmaceutical advertisements. And I remember the one that, that, that they would say, do you have restless leg syndrome? And they'd be, and I'd never heard of restless leg syndrome before that. I never even knew there was such a thing as restless leg syndrome. What is restless leg syndrome? And then they began to describe all of the symptoms and you know what your mind wants to do? Your mind wants to go through the list with them and check every one. Do I have that? No, I don't have that. Do I have that? No, I don't have that. Well, I might kind of have that third one. No, no. And it was a shock to me because I had, you know, of the other people that I was around, they had been little by little just experiencing those as they started coming on the scene right? And so they were like, yeah, it's just a commercial. No, it's not just a commercial. That's full of, that's full of wrong thoughts. <laughs> that's full, that's presenting the idea. I will never forget how uh, Gloria Copeland explained one day, she, she was teaching on the subject of healing and she said, you know, the devil's going to keep on till he finds something you'll agree to. He'll start out and he'll come to you and he'll say, maybe it is emphysema. Maybe you've got emphysema. And he puts the cue card out there for emphysema. And you're like, no, I don't have emphysema. Okay, well, let me see here. Let me see here. Maybe you've got the flu. Do you have the flu? Do you, do, is it the flu? No, I don't have the flu. I don't have the flu. Okay, let me keep, let me flip my chart here till I find one you'll take. Maybe you've got seasonal allergies. Will you take that one? Okay, I finally found one you'll take. Just resist them all. Let him flip and flip and flip and just say, no, 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 I'm taking healing. I'm the healed of the Lord. By his stripes I'm healed. I don't have that one, don't have that one, don't have that one, don't have that one, don't have that one. This is what I got, 1 Peter 2, 24. By whose stripes I was healed. This is what I've got. He is the Lord who heals me. This is the one I've got, uh, that, that he heals uh, all my diseases. Hallelujah. I, that's the one I take. Amen. Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. Amen. Himself took it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Know the truth. Know the truth about healing. Know the truth. You never have to be sick. 
You never have to. You never have to. There's no requirement that for you to die, you got to get sick to die. After you've lived your long, satisfying life, you can choose to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. But you don't have to be forced out of your body by sickness. There's nothing that says you have to allow. You, you know, in Romans chapter 6, it says you are not under the dominion of sin. Well, that same freedom applies to your health. You are not under the dominion of sickness. That when he says a thousand shall fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me. He meant that. God meant that when he said that. He meant that and he's capable of that. He is capable of making such a protective, uh, uh, strengthening in your immune system that it's possible that it can be so close to you that 10,000 at your right hand succumb to it and you stand above it. God meant it and He's able of, of causing it to come to pass in our life. But how is that activated? I will say of the Lord. Psalm 91.1 I will say of the Lord. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2 I will say I will say I will say So it's not automatic, is it? It's, it's verbally authorized. I have, I have given voice authorization. He is my refuge. He is my healer. He is the God who heals me. Hallelujah. He is the God who heals me. And because He's the God who heals me, and He never sleeps and He never slumbers, I am the healed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because He's the God who heals me, and He never sleeps and He never slumbers. He's never off the job. I am the healed. I am the healed. And that's how we can never be sick another day in our life. That's how. Not because of us, but because of Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.